You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Hi, y'all. I'm Joanna Newding. I am a storyteller, entrepreneur, cannabis lifestyle guide, and host of Casually Baked, the podcast. Curious About Cannabis is dedicated to providing reliable cannabis science education to anyone curious enough to learn. To get access to free courses and other educational resources, visit learn.cacpodcast.com and become a Curious About Cannabis member for free. The Curious About Cannabis book provides an incredible crash course in cannabis science through over 500 pages of content filled with photos, activities, science experiments, games, and more to help guide you through your personalized cannabis education journey. This book has become a trusted textbook in colleges and universities across North America and is absolutely perfect for serious learners as well as cannabis educators, bud tenders, clinicians, patients, and caregivers. And special thanks to the many individuals, companies, and organizations that have helped Curious About Cannabis meet our mission of becoming the number one trusted source of cannabis science education on the planet. This includes organizations like Credo Science with Ethan Russo, The Conigma, Treadwell Farms, The Spellman Report with Kevin Spellman, The Workshop, Green Earth Medicinals, CBD National, Magnolia Botanicals, and more. Visit cacpodcast.com slash sponsors to learn about our sponsors and go show them some love for helping us spread cannabis science education far and wide to anyone curious enough to learn. If you like Curious About Cannabis, consider checking out some of these other learning initiatives by Natural Learning Enterprises. Come on, Molly. It'll be an adventure. Phoebe called out as she followed Brother Toadstool. Brother Toadstool led Phoebe and Molly into a tunnel that went deep down into the ground. As they climbed into the tunnel, they found themselves getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Our new children's book, A Toadstool's Treasures, takes young readers on an adventure into the fun and fascinating world of fungi. Learn more and find mycology-related learning resources, games, and lesson plans for teachers and homeschooling families at toadstoolstreasures.com. And now, back to the show. Hey everybody, this is Jason with Curious About Cannabis. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. So today I'm excited to be joined with somebody whose podcast I was actually very recently on, and now we're here to tell her story. I'm here with Joanna Newding of the Casually Baked Podcast. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for being willing to take the time today. Yes, Jason. It was fun having you on my show. Uh, listeners loved um, getting curious about cannabis with you, so I'm excited to be sitting in on your show now. Absolutely. Well, you know, it was fun getting to know you as we were trying to prepare for uh, for your show. And through that process, I was like, well, I definitely want to connect my audience to your story um, for multiple reasons. One, because I personally relate to it in a lot of ways. We've gone through a lot of similar struggles as educators and content creators in the cannabis space. Um, but also even some, there are some kind of personal 
details to our stories that are kind of parallel that I'm I'm excited to to dive into and unpack and um, to really just get right into it. Um, one thing that I I wanted to immediately um, point out to the audience I think is really cool about your story is that there was a point in your life where you decided I want to live authentically. Not sure exactly what that means or how I want to do it, but I'm going to get rid of all my stuff. I'm going to go explore a little bit and try to figure out how to, I guess, kind of reintegrate myself into my own life, which I have gone through a very similar process and I think is extremely important. So let's start with diving into that experience. What what led to that kind of realization of like, I don't feel right in what I'm doing now and I need to figure out a new path? Yeah, I was a marketing director managing six brands for a big real estate developer um, in Austin, Texas. Um, I I was working like 60 hours a week. I had a really packed social schedule. You know, a lot of what I had to do in my job was entertaining people. And the way I recharged was using cannabis. The way I was creative was using cannabis. And I lived somewhere where it was frowned upon. And so I felt like I was hiding who I was and my secret weapon for being able to do my job. And just overall, you know, drinking too much, not feeling healthy, not feeling happy, starting to feel very disconnected, Mm -hmm. even though I was constantly surrounded by people. And I just felt like pulling the ripcord and just like resetting because, you know, I, I tell people, I felt like I'd picked the wrong dream. Like, okay, at this trajectory, I don't want to know where this is going to end up like this. I need to stop. So I made a decision to, um, I gave a two month notice to my employer And I started giving away all of my things. I sold my car and I moved to Bologna, Italy. And for the next 16 months, I just learned the art of doing nothing. I journaled. (laughs) I, I, you know, wrote stories about what was coming up for me and my meditations. Because when you're a workaholic and all of a sudden you grind those gears to a halt the anxiety was real. I mean, I would wake up in the morning feeling like I needed to be somewhere, but I didn't have anywhere to be and it yes. caused yep. panic attacks. So, you know, my that first little bit of time in Italy, I was just like, what have I done? And, you know, it it takes a while to deprogram. And so I just really started spending time thinking about what would it look like to get paid to be myself? What would my ideal living situation be? If I could go anywhere from here, which I can, where is that? And it became the best gift I ever gave myself. And when I returned to the United States, I posted up at a friend's house in Austin and was applying for jobs out in California. And as soon as I... um. I bought a car, and as soon as my license plates came in, I loaded whatever I could fit in that VWCC, and I headed west. I wanted to be somewhere where cannabis was legal. 
I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I was going to learn um, where my skill set fit into the cannabis industry. And I just dove in head first. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really incredible because I think a lot of people feel the way that, that you described that like, I'm on this trajectory, this dream that is not actually my dream and it's leading somewhere and it sure is like carving out a path that is moving fast in a direction. Um, but and it, I don't necessarily want to go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's like you're on, you know, a moving sidewalk that's just continuing to like push you that way. And when you're working in a, a career in, in these systems that we get, you know, involved in, there's a momentum that kind of just keeps pushing you. And so it's very, I think sometimes it feels impossible to people to pull out, to pull mm -hmm. the ripcord. Yeah. Um, can you describe some of the feelings you had right before putting in that notice to your employer? Like, were you nervous, scared, excited? Like what was coming up for you? Well, the first thing that I did was I hired a career coach and I, I told her that I wanted to live abroad. I needed to have a different experience, but I, mm -hmm. I didn't want to give up my job. And so I spent several months creating what a work abroad trial would look like still working for my employer. Um, you know, hmm. this was back in 2011 that I was working on this plan. Yeah. And, you know, we had voice over IP phones and, you know, there were ways to have meetings, not like we do now, but it, it was possible to not be in the same room with yeah. somebody and get my job done. And, you know, that plan, I worked really hard on it. I had this career coach poke all the holes in it that she possibly could. And nice. yeah. whenever I presented it, it really fell on deaf ears. And I, you know, just let that sit for about a month. I brought it back up again. Mm -hmm. And the response was, well, can you just go for a month? And I'm like, in Europe, that's a holiday. That's like your required yeah. vacation time. You can't tell if something's going to work in a month. And, you know, yeah. I had pitched three months. So at that point, I was just like, Joanna, nobody gives a shit about your future, but you like, this is your life. You yeah. can't yeah. ask anybody yeah. for permission. You have to do you. So I went home that night and I got online and I booked a fly, a one-way flight to Bologna, Italy, and I went to work the next day and I just said, I'm giving you a two-month notice. I leave for Italy on such and such date in June. And, you know, for me, it was just like ripping that Band-Aid off where yeah. in that moment, I was just like, I'm going all in on me. And, and the response was, well, I'm concerned about you finding a job when you get back. And I'm like, don't yeah, worry yeah. about me. You know what? I'll worry about me. And so, you know, for me, it was, um, I, I dipped my toe in the water. And when I didn't get the response I wanted, I was just like, what are we doing? Let's cannonball, man. Let's get in there. Yeah. So, and it was scary. It really was. But, you know, Growth is scary. Change yeah. is scary. And when it's you uncomfortable. 
yeah, when you've driven that same road every day for years and years and years, the ruts are deep. And when you yank your car out of it, you know, it's going to feel like you're wrecking your car, but you're going to get out and you're going to be fine. Yeah. And, um, you know, getting to that of, of the transition of like, okay, you're out of the 60 hour work week into this transitioning of trying to learn how to do nothing. Um, which I went through something similar when I exited the cannabis testing arena, as I call Mm -hmm. it. Um, where I was doing something similar, working 60 hour weeks, like running myself into the ground and it's like, what the hell am I doing? Um, and then ran away to work on a, uh, to help my friends harvest cannabis for the, you know, for six months or so after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is, it's when you, especially when you're a high functioning professional that is meetings a lot, lots of schedules, um, lots of communication. Um, it is like when you don't have anything to do, you feel like it's wrong to do nothing. It feels very uncomfortable to do nothing. So how did you, um, wrestle with that? You said that you journaled, um, and, and tried to kind of work through some of those feelings. But, uh, when you first got to Italy, um, what did that look like? What did you do with yourself? You know, it's funny because cannabis, cannabis was such an important tool for me during that time. Um, I brought, um, oil with me. And so I would, um, you know, take a tincture in the mornings and, um, and just kind of, it, it helped me, um, loosen up about the not having the something to do. Um, but what I did for myself was I vowed to cook all of my meals. You know, I had, as a busy professional had always had someone prepare my meals for me and make sure that I was eating healthy, but it was something I could just pop in the oven. I didn't have to think about it. So for me, it was getting up in the mornings and engaging in the modern life, just being there day to day, just experience what it was like to live somewhere where I didn't know anyone and I didn't speak the language. And so just allowing myself to be, um, curious and wondering, wondering around, like I would get on a bus and I would ride the bus all the way to the end of the route. And then the bus driver's like, ma'am, this is the last stop. Do you need to get off? And I'm like, no, I just want to see where it goes. And we would come back and, um, you know, I would go to the markets every day and, um, cook myself lunch and dinner. And, um, I got myself invited to a lot of dinner parties and I would hang out in the kitchen so I could start learning the Italian style of cooking and easily learning um, words for things. I put sticky notes up all over um, my room and, you know, labeled everything so I could start nice. learning yes, yeah. a little bit of of Italian. And um, it was, I just had fun and explored. And of course, I had never been without air conditioning and I show up in mm-hmm. Italy in like the hottest summer on record for like a decade. And of course, um, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, there were plenty of moments where I'm like, I, this is miserable, but gosh, it was such an amazing life lesson. And I think one of mm-hmm. the most important things that it gifted me was I have a degree in communications. I have a broadcasting degree. Talking is what I do. 
And all of a sudden, I was somewhere where I sounded like a three-year-old trying to speak, like to ask yeah, somebody yeah. for directions or to buy a bus ticket. Like that shit was hard. So when I came back and I had the gift of communication again, where everybody speaks the same language as me here, I was not afraid to ask. I was not afraid to stand up in a meeting with a bunch of CEOs and ask for what I want. It became so much easier to use my voice after being somewhere where, you know, trying to get directions to the bathroom was one of my biggest challenges of the day. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is that is really uh, fascinating to think about that you're, you know, this this primary talent and skill that you have through this process was kind of almost hidden from you for a while. It's like, all right, now this is gone and time to kind of start over for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then to have that reintroduced, to have that new appreciation, um, to just one, just to have the ability to communicate much less to then think about, um, you know, that there are skills in communicating, um, and storytelling and all of these things. Um, that's that's really cool. And at what point in the journey did you start to think about um, using that voice and that skill to do things like the Casually Baked podcast and, and that sort of thing? You know, I didn't, that didn't even cross my mind in Italy. I knew that mm -hmm. I wanted to be in a cannabis legal state. Like to me, that was the most important first step was living somewhere yeah. where I could be me and it wasn't illegal to be myself. And it wasn't until yeah. I got to California and I recognized, holy shit, these people are in a bubble. They're talking about cannabis and these are conversations yeah. that I've never heard before. These are things that Nobody in Texas is talking about this stuff. They don't know what this means. You know, everything is yeah. still indica sativa. I don't even know if anybody even knew what a fucking hybrid was. And to then be somewhere where now we're talking about terpenoids and cannabinoids and, you know, varying ratios and all these different methods of consumption and different styles of growing, like... This was something where I immediately knew that the way I could help grow the industry was to create educated consumers, use my voice to teach people how to ask the right questions, how to evaluate whether or not something was quality. Um, yeah. You know, those sorts of things were... Um, non-existent. I mean, you know, now there's all these certifications that you can get, or you could go to Gangier school if you want to. But in the beginning, I was just buying books and yeah. reading and organizing information into flashcards and things so that I could teach myself and, and then recognized, wow, like, okay, I have dumbed this information down enough that I think I could teach the soccer mom or, you know, the elderly couple who, you know, is retired and now they live somewhere legal. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I could teach these people. Um, 
And so just putting all this information together, I started doing what I called being a cannabis lifestyle guide. I was meeting people at dispensaries to help them do personal shopping, teaching them how to read oh, the nice, menu, yeah. that sort of thing. But I was living in the Bay Area and traffic's a nightmare and it costs a fortune to cross a bridge. And I just was like, okay, pause. You have a degree in communications. Let's turn these one-on-one -on -one situations into more of a, um, a megaphone, you know, type. Let's yeah. talk to the masses. Yeah. And so I just bought a cheap little microphone off Amazon and I plugged it into my laptop and I just started talking. And I, the very first show I interviewed one of my friends that had helped me design um, the, the brand for Casually Baked. Um, she was a mom, a single mom. Um, that uh, was using cannabis um, to treat um, symptoms of diabetes and things like that. And um, and so we were just talking about what that was like. We're sitting on yeah. my couch and and just chatting about it. And um, and I got good feedback from the, you know, 20 people that I knew that listened to it. And, yep. you know, and I just kept going and you know, what you and I were talking about in the green room earlier, one of the most important things in the cannabis industry is to just be consistent and keep showing up because yeah. the plant is as nuanced as the industry is as the number of conversations you can have around it. And, yeah. you know, I've been doing this for seven years for five or six of it. No, for the first five, I did it every week. I recorded a show once a week. And then I st switched to every other week to give myself a break because yeah, I was overwhelmed. Um, but I've never had to have the same conversation twice. You know, yep. there's so much to talk about. And, <laughs> and so I appreciate being able to have conversations with really intelligent people and continue to learn every single week, something new that I can turn around and share with my, you know, growing tribe of, um, you know, kind of curious folks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really, uh, special feeling the first time you turn the microphone on and start talking. Um, it's, and and there's kind of a process of like finding your voice um, on a podcast. I remember my very first episode that I did, how awkward it was, but yet we got through it and I was like, okay, like you can do this. And then after like two or three episodes, you kind of get in a flow, you know, it's like your brain switches into like, okay, now we're in conversational podcast mode and, um, and then it takes off from there. And yeah, there's, there's so much. Uh, to talk about so many perspectives to share, so much science to explore, um, so many impacts to explore. Um, it's something that keeps me excited because it is like a never ending thing. It's like as long as people want to keep tuning in, there is just a limitless amount of, of things to explore. And um, I guess that that brings up a an interesting question. So how many how many episodes have you done so far? I don't remember what our number was. Um, 
well, on that recent one, but what, what are you at right now? I've done over 260 episodes. Some of them have yeah. been um, special shows, bonus episodes. So as far as sure, the number yeah. goes, the next one I'm releasing is podcast number 242. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I still haven't gotten to 100. I'll get there in a few weeks, but um, that's that's really awesome. And out of those conversations, what are what are some you know two or three that really stand out to you that kind of um, either changed the way that you thought about cannabis or just like really impacted you um, to motivate you to continue doing the work that you're doing. You know, one person that has really impacted me with his story um, is Johnny Casali at Huckleberry Hill Farms. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he is a second generation cannabis farmer. You know, he learned from his mother um, and he served the um, mandatory minimum as a 20, a young 20 something kid. Um, for growing cannabis. And so he's someone who has served time for cannabis and who is now a, a licensed, um, cannabis producer who is turning out some of the most, um, like terp fueled, amazing sun grown flower ever and doing some amazing collaborations with, you know, people like Willie Nelson and Willie's Reserve and mm -hmm. um, just really being a voice for, you know, the Humboldt County community, Southern Humboldt particularly, and, you know, just yeah. doing the right things and being a steward of the land. Like, he's just somebody who, if I'm going to buy cannabis, he's the one that was taught me yeah. how fabulous and important it is to know your grower, you know, know yeah. your farmer. And if I'm not, if I don't know my farmer, I'm at least, I'm only one degree of separation from that farmer. Otherwise I don't want the flower because there's yeah. so much that goes in to the growing of good cannabis and the love and intention. You know, this is medicine for me. Um, and so, you know, if somebody's a, a rec user, they can roll their eyes and go in and get whatever, you know, indoor that they want or whatever. But for me, I'm like, I want to know my farmer. I want my yeah. cannabis to be kissed by the sun. And so like, you know, these sorts of things are, um, these conversations inspired me to uplevel myself as a cannabis consumer. Um, another... Yeah guest that I really loved, um, Stephen Halpern. He's um, like the godfather of sound healing music. And Oh, okay, cool. Um, and so it was fun to talk with him about the research that, that he was a part of, um, of, you know, pairing the importance of music and what music and frequency does to our own bodies but how as, you know, plants are also sentient beings. And so what sound can do, you know, for our plants as well. And, um, and just the importance and value of pairing our cannabis experience and meditation and, and sound healing. Um, that was just a, 
a, a really beautiful That's conversation. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like a a well-known thing to most people that have used cannabis that um, cannabis and music definitely go well together. Um, But it's true. There's, I mean, there's a lot of therapy to be had in in sound and and vibrations um, like that. I had a buddy of mine a long time ago. We were in college or something. um, But I remember he did a, he did some sort of project on um, music therapy. And that was kind of my exposure to a little bit of that. Um, but it's it's when you really get into the the details of what's been studied and some of the outcomes that we've seen, I mean, it is it is really amazing what sound can do and and influence. And especially when you pair that with something like cannabis that really gets you in the moment and really um, you know focused on your senses. Um, that is that's that's and of course obviously i'm a musician too so yeah personal personal interest in that but um that is that is really cool i need to look up that i'm gonna go listen to that because um that that sounds really really fascinating um and you know on the the note of you know the legal side having to deal with growing up somewhere because you like me coming from the south you're exposed to you know, prohibition, and you're very aware of the risks and what can happen. And like you mentioned, when you went to California, you realized how much of a bubble it was. That was my exact experience going to Oregon from Mississippi. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, y'all have no idea, like, what is going on outside of this bubble? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, they do to an extent, but it's just very different when you've grown up in a place uh, where your entire life will be ruined if they catch a gram of cannabis in your car. Um, You know, like we're not even talking about growing plants. We're talking about just like I've had friends get arrested just for having pipes in their cars and they went through a sobriety checkpoint, you know. So um, it's it is a a very um, unique experience. And I know that, again, like I said, you and I have a lot of interesting parallels. You, like me, just moved back to the south. So what is that experience like, having lived on the West Coast and experienced all of that um, freedom to work with a plant, yeah. talk about it, do all of these things, and then to move back to a place um, where things are not as free? It's changing. There's definitely yeah. movement in the right direction, but it is, it is, it's an interesting perspective that I think a lot of folks don't actually have. Yeah. You know, I never thought I would move back. I swore I wouldn't move back until (laughs) cannabis was legal, but I started feeling the rest of my freedoms being squashed in California. And so for me, I'm like, um, this, I need to get off this crazy train. So, you know, (laughs) I moved back to to Texas because, you know, the cannabis industry is struggling. You know, people like me who are content creators, who are brand builders, you know, when, when people are cutting budgets, they cut marketing first. So, you know, advertising was starting to, to wane. The price of gas was almost $7 a gallon. Like there was a lot of things that I was struggling um, to keep my head above water. And so, you know, part of me moving home was getting more involved in my family's 
um, ranching business. I'm fifth generation. Um, our family's ranch has been um, operational since 1887, 136 wow. years um, wow. operating in one family. And that's important to me. And what's so crazy is that California is what made me passionate about agriculture again. Like when I was growing up, it was not the job that you wanted. It was not the future my yeah, father yeah. wanted for me. But when I spend my time with amazing cannabis farmers who are wonderful stewards of the land and started teaching me about regenerative agriculture, I just thought, wow, what a difference I can make for my own family by bringing these principles home with me and us trying to put them into practice here in Texas. So, you know, me coming back here now, it's felt a little bit like a sacrifice because, you know, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm stepping back into the closet in a little bit of a way, mm -hmm. but not really because I'm constantly having these conversations with all the local people and um, reminding people about the importance of um, getting involved in our local government and voicing yeah, our opinions yeah. and coming out of the cannabis closet. And um, and I was invited to join the board of the Texas Hemp Coalition. And, you know, the Texas legislative session is um, is active right now. And so I've just hit the ground running there. I'll be at the Capitol tomorrow all day having conversations um, awesome. about yeah. a couple of bills that are on the table around um, hemp. And, um, and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're talking about hemp and you don't have legal cannabis there. But, you know, it, it's baby steps. And, you know, being able to have um, hemp as feedstock for our animals mm -hmm. on our ranch is very important to me. And, you know, being able to have access to clean medicine that's tested, you know, is important to me. I want people to understand um, the nuances of this plant before we legalize it here. Because yeah. just going mm -hmm. and legalizing it, there's so many states that are trying to fix problems that don't make sense you know, because things were written into law by people that don't understand the nuances of the plant or or the chemistry of the plant or um, how to manufacture products, how the whole supply chain works. So by us yep. going a little bit slower and educating our lawmakers and educating our communities, maybe we can have a really robust system straight out of the gate and so, yeah. you know, for me, I'm trying to lend the eight years of experience that I've had living in a legal state and experiencing cannabis as a medical patient, you know, as an adult use patient, as an educator, as, you know, somebody who's lending my platform to farmers and scientists and doctors and and the people growing the nascent cannabis and hemp industries in North America. You know, like I have a lot of value that I've now brought home to my state. So, yes. you know, I hope I can make a big difference.
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the animal feed um, note there um, and how that ties into the ranch. Because, you know, in my journey with cannabis and learning about it, um, you know, you, you learn a lot about cannabis and how it affects the body. And then when you learn that, it, it kind of changes how you perceive a lot of things. And even if people don't have access, let's say, directly to cannabis, if you can get you know, um, hemp derived feed into, um, the agricultural system, get it into, um, livestock and things like that so that people's food is more enriched with mm -hmm. polyunsaturated fatty acids from, um, you know, from the cannabis plant and, yeah. you know, even cannabinoids and other things that, um, depending on what type of feed you're giving them, um, you know, there's this dietary component of um, yeah. giving our endocannabinoidome, our, our endocannabinoid systems, things that have been kind of stripped out of our diets through modern agricultural industrialization and things like yeah. that. So there are interesting opportunities to make impacts um, to influence people's endocannabinoid systems through cannabis, through these indirect ways as well that, that sometimes are not as appreciated. So it's, it's cool that you're thinking about that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really like that a lot. Well, um, and that's, that's the beauty of educating yourself about cannabis yeah. because then you can connect these dots. Yes. And it yep. makes total sense. And it's just like, okay, enriching the soil enriches my crop, which enriches yep. my animal, which enriches the protein source yep. that I will then be consuming as a human being and then relying less on, you know, big medicine and all the other stuff yeah. that we go to for all of the dis-ease in our life mm -hmm. where, you know, there's so much of it that we can control by our diet, our exercise, our mindset. Yeah. And th what we choose to call our medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the um, the future of medical cannabis, you know, and like you said, cannabis to you is medicine, and that you know that's how it is for me as well. Um, I take that very seriously, and um, I think you know the future of medical cannabis goes far beyond cannabis itself and gets into these realms of like, well, how do lifestyle choices? influence the endocannabinoid system, the endocannabinoid dome, how does that then influence um, your relationship with, with cannabis and, and where does that fit? Um, and so, you know, it, it really is a more holistic way when we include acknowledging that lifestyle does influence these same things that we're targeting with cannabis. Um, it, it brings, a, I think, a lot more richness to the concept of medical cannabis and what the point is. Um, uh, you know, all together. And uh, another thing, I know we're, we're on almost 40 minutes, so I want to make sure to get to this question because we could spin out in a lot of, of different directions. I know you have interest in topicals. And um, this is another thing that I've specifically got interest in as well because of some of my medical issues. Um, so I wanted to make sure to carve out time to talk about that. Um, you've uh, worked with a friend to develop, I know at least one product or two products or so, uh, maybe more correct me, but um, what has led to uh, this interest in um, cannabis and, and cannabinoid topicals 
And, um, you know, I, I'm familiar with MJ Relief, but let me know if there's any more um, that you have going on in that space. Yeah. I want to make sure that our audience learns about that. Okay. Yes. Thanks for asking. So MJ Skin is uh, the company that I started. And to take it way back, as a little girl, um, I, I'm from a blended family. My mom and dad divorced when I was three and a half years old. So I spent a lot of time as a little girl on the weekends at the makeup counter at Dillard's. My mom worked oh, yeah. in makeup, skincare, fragrances. And so at a very early age, I knew the importance of moisturizing and eye cream and all of these things. And I loved it. And I happen to have very fair skin, um, sensitive skin, a lot of products um, will, you know, cause me to rash or break out. Hmm. So, um, my best girlfriend in cannabis, she is a PhD formulation scientist who loves skincare as much as I do. So she and I were constantly aggravated at the products that we were finding, you know, in the early days of California oh, yes. um, cannabis. And it would be like, oh, this topical... It smells good, but, you know, it left a icky film on my skin mm -hmm. or there's nothing in this, but the cannabinoid and, and avocado oil or coconut oil, like yeah. this is ridiculously rudimentary and there cause it costs a fortune. So she and I just started going back and forth of, okay, if I had a topical, these are the things that I would want in it. This is what I want it to smell like. And so we just started cooking stuff up in the kitchen and um, collaborated on creating MJ Relief. M is for Dr. Monica Vialpondo, the J being for Joanna Newding, um, but with an also fun little play on yep. cannabis. Um, and so, you know, but our families didn't live in cannabis legal states. So yeah. we decided to use what we knew about the entourage effect to create a topical that used hemp-based CBD with a range of other um, ingredients that had the same like moisturizing, skin soothing, pain relieving yeah. qualities, and that we could sell 50 state legal. So, you know, that first product went... Uh, the timing couldn't have been more terrible. I basically paid the manufacturer <laughs> to get things going. And about four or five days later, the whole entire world shut down for this um, oh, great. COVID yes. stuff. So the the <laughs> line of products kind of just stopped for a hot minute. And so now I am um, back in, in creation mode. And the concept is to finish out this line. But... I'm kind of a lazy skincare gal now. I don't want 10 steps to moisturize my face. Mm -hmm. You know, now that I'm 46 years old and, you know, now it's like you need the eye cream, you need something around your lips, you need something, you make sure you don't have turkey neck and, you know, the wrinkles on the forehead. There's all these things that you have to start thinking about. Well, I want all of that into in one product. Yeah. So yeah. the other thing, you know, we made our MJ Relief um, a unisex scent because I'm not just trying to formulate 
for women. Like we care, Mm -hmm. we all have aches and pains and men need to take care of their skin just like women, you know. Our skin is our largest organ of the body, and it's the one that people tend to neglect the most and abuse the most. So um, coming up will be a a face cream, a body cream, and a scalp formula. So we're covering that way. The skin is covered head to toe. Um, I deal with a lot of scalp issues, um, having sensitive kind of eczema issues. style skin, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's something that's been important to me. Um, Again, a face cream that works for both men and women. It's unisex. It's one-stop shopping. And, And then one for our whole body. So the thing that I love is that there's so many amazing cannabinoids in hemp and cannabis. And CBD is drying for our skin. And if you have sensitive dry skin and people are trying to sell you CBD skincare products and you keep trying all of these different ones and you look like a lizard, you're like me. And that's like, there's so many other cannabinoids that can help us. So Mm -hmm. what I'm doing with MJ Skin is introducing customers to an array of cannabinoids and a variety of terpenes that are specifically designed for our scalp our face, our body. Um, And then, of course, MJ Relief will still be there for what aches and pains you. That's cool. That's I I really like that a lot because I have eczema. I I have a situation where my hands constantly peel to the point that they'll just bleed. You know, it's just like never ending. Mm -hmm. It's uh, so I relate to this problem um, in a big way. It's something I've dealt with my whole life. Started when I was a little kid and has uh, never stopped. Although for whatever reason, when I lived in Oregon, it wasn't as bad. And once I came back to the South, it's um, flared up quite a bit. I can um, tell you what I think that is. What's Part going on of the there? thing about the Pacific Northwest is that we get amazing fruits and vegetables and food and people yeah, care a lot mm-hmm. more about their diets. Me coming back to Texas I've gained a couple of pounds being back yes. here. It's harder to find the 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 brands of things that you shopped for before or being able to true. go to the grocery yeah. store and get the array of organic products. You know, I'm in a smaller town now in Texas. It's it's not as easy to eat, eat as healthy. And yeah. and that matters. Like that stuff expresses it itself yes. um in our skin. Um you know, and another thing too is the minerals, you know, the the mm-hmm. basic building blocks of life that are supposed to be in our food and our water get stripped out of said food and water. So, you know, it's yeah. so important, especially when you are somewhere where you're not growing your own food or you're not able to go to a robust farmer's market that we're supplementing with really good minerals. So, um, and I have some, it's called Myo2 Meds is the brand that I use, but it's ionic minerals where it is 100% bioavailable. I put it in my water and, you know, it's, it's all the basics. And, um, and, you know, people don't talk enough about shitting, the importance of shitting, like, and this is part of these minerals. If you're taking all the minerals that you need, you are detoxing your body on the daily. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just getting I, things. Yeah. Just cleaning, cleaning yes, out. Yes. Yeah. Clean it out. Clean up your diet. Look at, you know, what, what you are and aren't, you know, eating. And, you know, and if you, ha- some people, they hate vegetables. They don't want a salad. They don't want their, yeah. they don't want greens. Then fine. If you don't want that stuff, great. Eat like a child, but put minerals in your water. <laughs> At least do that. <laughs> At least do the slightest thing you can do. And actually adding minerals to your water, it actually, I mean, in my opinion, it makes it taste better because, yeah. uh, I don't know if you, if you drink if you compare and you drink water that is like just pure water, which I've done for fun before in the lab, because, you know, in the lab, we get like the most pure water you can get. And um, it's weird. It's really weird. It tastes, it just tastes off because it, it's like there's something not there. Or yeah, something. there's a lot know. that's not um, there. And people yeah. spend so yeah. much money on these on these filtration systems in their home, which is great. Yeah, let's get the, you know, the fluoride and, and you know, chlorine or whatever, sure, get these yeah. things out, but then turn around and put the magnesium and the iron and different things back in. So, but yeah, when and you- And a lot of this is stuff that would have been coming from the earth, you know, like- um, 100% of it comes from in, the earth. In wells and- Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's 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 really getting reconnected to the dirt <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, and, and not it being is, so scared of it. And it really does when you when you taste the water with the minerals in it, and you have the mix right. Um, it it tastes almost milky sweet, like you know. It's yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. It's really good. It is. Yeah. It really is. Um, unless you have water. So where I lived in Oregon. Um, I was in Southern Oregon and there, you know, if you've ever been to Ashland, Oregon, there are, um, there's the water there that has lithium in it naturally. And there's kind of a fun prank that everyone plays on people that are new to Ashland where they take them to the middle of town. And there are these fountains that are always running that, um, where you can taste the lithium water. And uh, so it's a thing where you're like, oh, yeah, you've got to taste, you know, this is the most natural water to this area. you got to get it. And it tastes incredibly bad. But it's because of all of the lithium in it. Um, and there's a story there that us? like. <laughs> well, it's an I'm antidepressant. Like, I remember for one if thing. You, somebody uh, has an addiction. It, wait, I don't want to speak like an idiot. Tell me what lithium does. No, so it's it's commonly today when it's prescribed, it's usually for um, treatment resistant depression and bipolar is usually um, who it's given to, and it's usually okay. a last resort um, because it can do things like change the color of your skin and uh, among oh. other things. And um, however, the the story behind Ashland is that when settlers discovered the water there that they became very um, uh, calm and laid back because they were, you know, getting this regular dose of lithium in their bodies, acting as a natural antidepressant and, you know, kind of mood stabilizer. Interesting. And and then they were like, well, let's just not go anywhere else. And then Ashland <laughs> became kind of this hippie um, center in Southern Oregon because Southern Oregon's actually fairly conservative, but Ashland and and some of the immediate surrounding areas definitely are not. And so that's kind of the Yeah, the, the, the local lore. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah. it. That's the, cool. But it, it highlights, you know, this 
uh, relationship people to the minerals in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to go back. You mentioned that, you know, talking about the sensitive skin, um, I've heard you mention before that you have a cannabis allergy, that actually cannabis itself sometimes can yeah. um, can really cause problems for you. Do you mind speaking to that a little bit? I totally will. Do you see this Kleenex? I yeah. have one of these in my hand all the time because my nose ends up being like a drippy faucet. Um, so just like someone has an allergy to ragweed or, you know, Mm -hmm. cedar or something like that, I discovered that I had an allergy of cannabis. So if I am handling the flower and I have it on my hands and then I touch my skin, my skin will break out wherever I've touched. So when I first moved to California, I always knew like when I smoked weed or, you know, I would... I would Mm -hmm. sneeze or my nose would start running a little bit, but, you know, I didn't think much about it. Well, when I moved to California and I was trying to find my way and I was sleeping on someone's couch for free in exchange for helping Mm -hmm. with their indoor grow, and then I was also trimming. And so one night I was in charge of, the next day I was going to be in charge of getting all of these boxes a flower to the different people who were trimming that day. So I had like eight boxes of weed stacked up in um, the room I was sleeping in and the windows were open. Mm. I woke up the next morning and my eyes were swollen shut. And I was just like, oh, like I really am allergic to this stuff. So I would have to trim with like gloves up to my elbows. and, And so what as a consumer, how that translated a lot was a lot of topicals and things would just make me break out. If they had a high concentration of the cannabis in them, then I would just itch. I'd put it on and just itch like crazy. So that was another reason why we were trying to formulate without using the, the full spectrum plant material for people who do have sensitive skin and do have these like weird allergies, like how could I create a product that utilizes the benefits, um, but that's made for people with sensitive skin? Well, this is really important to highlight because there's a, you know, there are several kind of dogmas that circulate in the cannabis industry. And one is that, oh, all products should, you know, only have, you know, basically raw, full-spectrum extracts in them. Um, We, you know, shouldn't be trying to recombine things or whatever. And I've pointed this out before to folks that, like, if if you're able to have that perspective, that's actually a very privileged perspective because there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people um, that want to interact with cannabis and get benefit from cannabis but have certain limitations, certain, uh, you know, different things, allergies, uh, THC sensitivities, Uh, terpene sensitivities. I have a friend of mine who isn't necessarily allergic to cannabis, but the terpenes themselves, um, he's very sensitive to. So he can't be around extraction at all um, because as soon as the terpenes start to get into the air, um, his airways will close up. He gets bad headaches, um, pretty severe. And it's it's a sensitization, um, exposure sensitization. He worked in labs a lot and um, over time, um, it got worse and worse and worse. And, Yikes. you know, some allergies and, and sensitivities are like that. And I, I just, for everyone listening, I just want to point out that 
your experience with cannabis is not necessarily someone else's experience with cannabis. And I always try to discourage dogmatic thinking and trying to come up with these sort of absolute rules around best products or whatever, because um, when you do that, you're always ignoring um, a host of people that um, matter. I mean, you know, like um, there are a ton of people that can get benefit from cannabis and have to do it different ways. I know people that um, can only use isolates and, you know, isolates get um, a lot of bad rap. However, I know people that get benefit from them and that's all they can really do. Mm -hmm. um, and they have other issues with extracts and flour and other things. And so I just wanted to kind of put a, a pin on that to really emphasize, um, you know, uh, how your story, I think, um, is relatable probably to a lot of people out there that um, often feel forgotten by the cannabis industry yeah. because um, there are some people that don't even believe a cannabis allergy is real. Um, I've yeah. had that conversation with people before. Yeah. Well, which is insane because it's like, it's a plant. <clears throat> and right. Yeah. It's not uh, special in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the the greatest things that I did for myself and I think is, um, and it's even more readily available now than when I did it probably five years ago is the epigenetic testing, like mm -hmm. learning exactly how your body's DNA and endocannabinoid yeah. system work together. You know, for me, um, in the early days, there were less data points, but now yeah. <laughs> there are so many more data points. I still use my same test and they just continue to update the data and I can go online and look at it. But yeah. You know, I, some people are extremely sensitive to THC or they metabolize it, um, yeah. very slowly. You know, I metabolize CBD super fast and I'm a moderate metabolizer of THC. Um, I know my, you know, my receptor count, my CB1 and CB2 receptors. So when you learn these little nuances about yourself, then yeah. you can really dial in your experience with cannabis. And, you know, for me, it was trying to figure out, is cannabis my friend? Because yeah. I had the evidence of dementia and Alzheimer's throughout my family. And I was like, okay, am I doing myself a disservice to lean on cannabis as a tool if perhaps it's not my friend? So I yeah. wanted to know, uh, you know, exactly how my body interacted with it and then whether or not I had those different genes. And so, you know, I learned that I had all of the genes for inflammation, which I'm like, mm -hmm. well, shit. Okay. I have all the genes for inflammation. I learned that I'm a metabolized CBD, like a racehorse. So I'm like, oh, I need to double down on CBD. So I consume CBD three or four times a day because... I know that it's going to help with the inflammation and I know that I metabolize it quickly. So I yeah. need to present it to my body more frequently. Like that's next level shit when you're using yeah. cannabis as a tool. And so, you know, that kind of stuff is available to everyone. We don't have to guess. We can right. know and then like move forward in a way that we feel really confident. And then when we do need to go to the doctor, 
we can have an educated conversation about these right, things. Right, you're much more empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which, if you don't mind sharing, because I've done one of these DNA tests too, I'm interested, which one did you do? So I worked um, with the Apiron Center for Human Optimization. So it is, it's a, (laughs) it's a company, they're based out of North Carolina. They also have an office in Austin and, um, my particular epigenetic coach, he was a a cannabis fan and, um, a, a music guy, musician. And so he was working at a Puron on some, um, sound healing type stuff and they, allowed him to start like creating this cannabis protocol. And he started, hmm. he created the test and like, you know, what markers do we look at and all of these mm-hmm. kinds of things. And, um, and so that he found me and, wow. um, and so I, I talked to him about it. I went through the process and of course, you know, we also looked at sleep and, um, and Mm -hmm. foods and exercise and all the different things like, you know, basically creating my ideal shopping list, basically. Right. And your, your profile. mm -hmm, Yeah. And these are the types of exercises and, you know, the, the amount, the moderation, these kinds of things that really helped me just dial in what's good for me, not what's the fad diet of Mm -hmm. the month. What is like, oh, eggs were good for you. Now they're not good for you. Beef was good for you. Now it's not good for you. You know, avoid like, butter. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's just like yeah. all that shit, all the hype, all the the <laughs> nonsense. I didn't have to get on anybody else's train. I could just be on yeah. my own and not have to worry about it. Um, so, yeah. So this this particular company, they have, you know, supplements and things like that. But, you know, they work with professional athletes um, C-level executives, people that are really just trying to optimize their bodies for their lifestyle. That's super, super cool. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's fascinating to even have these options. Cause again, we're talking about how, you know, the bubble that a lot of these legal cannabis states live in and then coming back to a place like the South where, you know, they're, they're kind of wrestling with issues that are, 10 to 20 years in the past for a place like California or Oregon, um, talking about these kinds of ways of thinking, like, you know, you could actually get an interesting profiling of, of your body through DNA testing and get a good sense of what your obstacles might be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't run into them yet, you might, you know, get a sense of what might be down the road, what sort of predispositions, um, you know, genetically that your body's likely to have, how you process food and cannabinoids and um, all of these things. It really is um, next level, and it it reflects kind of a, a trend in, in modern medicine towards this individualized healthcare model, trying to understand that when we're treating a person, it is an individual. It's not mm-hmm. an individual of averages, which is really mm-hmm. what medical research represents, averages yeah. of data from, you know, these samples of people. Yeah which have biases associated with them because these samples of people in these studies, there are lots of people that get excluded from the studies. Um, so those averages don't even represent the averages of all people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the so, full spectrum human experience that we, it is completely unique to each of us. Exactly. Yeah. And then 
you know, there's the physiological side and then, you know, it seems like there are, there's a lot of push now to try to incorporate these other aspects of the human experience. Um, you know, your psychology, philosophy, what are your beliefs about the world? How do those influence the way you perceive the world? And how does that influence how you treat your body and your lifestyle? And all, you know, all of these interconnected ways of, of thinking about health. And, you know, I, to me, it really comes down to like, what experience do you want out of life? And how mm -hmm. do you want to, you know, navigate your time here? Because it's, yeah. it's limited. Um, so it is really fascinating to have those those tools um, available and to be able to act more mindfully. And it's, it is important, anyone listening, you know, it is really important not to follow these trends. And, you know, there's always going to be an, another hype train, another cannabinoid that people are saying is going to, you know, address every ailment that you have or, you know, these varying um, strains and terpene profiles for this or that none of that really matters on the individual level. Um, you know, butt tenders can tell you what might work best for you, whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to do the work to know yourself and pay attention to yourself and how things interact with your body and, and make those decisions, um, you know, as mindfully as you can. And I do think that when people are starting out, because there's so much information, um, they get really lost and confused. Um, and especially if they're going to different dispensaries and talking to different bud tenders and things, hearing different messages. Um, I think sometimes people forget that, you know, that they're always looking outward for what to do, but really the best place to look is inward and to yeah. better understand yourself yeah. and the rest will kind of come. For me, the choice paralysis is real. Yeah. Walking into a dispensary and seeing a bazillion options, it it can be paralyzing. It's hard to make yeah. those decisions. And um and yeah, it but when you know, the more you know, the more empowered you are. And exactly. yeah. listening to your body before you listen to other people, you know, ultimately letting that be your guide is is the best tool, really. Yeah. Oh, and it kind of, you know, this this really brings things around nicely as we just crossed an hour, but I like how this really connects with the ultimate sort of beginning theme of our conversation, which is what does the process to live authentically look like? How do you get there? Um, and this is a big part of that, owning your health, owning your, um, all of the little nuances of your own body and your mind and um, taking the time to observe yourself, you know, that's something I love about your story is taking the time, it, you know, it's a very permaculture idea too. um, you know, in order to affect positive changes to a system, you have to stop and observe the system. Um, and if you don't ever stop to observe, then you're just always tinkering without really fully appreciating what you're affecting and, and changing. And so, um, yeah, I, I hope that this conversation has been, um, inspirational to a lot of people because I know there are tons of people out there wrestling with a lot of these same issues of trying to figure out how to get to a more authentic place, trying to figure out their relationship with cannabis and make sense of it, trying to wade through all the opinions and marketing and all of these voices and noises in the cannabis industry um, to try to find what's right. And um, 
yeah, I just, I appreciate all of the work that you're doing in your journey. I know as a fellow content creator, educator, um, this work is hard and we haven't even had time to even dive into that of like what it's yeah. like to try to teach people about cannabis, um, in this world of, you know, uh, social media censorship, we're still not at a place where cannabis brands are treated the same as, as other brands, you know, I mean, some of the ads and sponsored content you see on social media, it's like, how in the world is cannabis not allowed? Um, it's, it's truly mind-blowing. And so it's very easy to give up um, or, you know, feel so discouraged that, you know, you're like, well, maybe I've made a mistake and need to do something else. Um, so I appreciate how long you've, you've really um, been sticking at it and continuing to try to guide people on their journey and help them understand, you know, like you said in the beginning, what questions should you be asking? How should you be thinking about this? And, um, and for all of our listeners to know that all of that comes for you from a very personal place. Um, and I think that's really important because, you know, the lessons you learn for yourself, those are the biggest ones and most impactful ones you can pass on to other people. Um, so I guess as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done so far. Um, I'm very excited to see, you know, this sort of new chapter in your journey, um, you know, being in Texas and getting involved in trying to help people understand how to regulate cannabis and what questions they should be asking, pointing out all of these um, details that a lot of folks are not going to think about, um, and just the weird industry dynamics that come along with some of these decisions. Um, it's, it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm really excited for you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me share my story. Um, yeah, there's never a dull moment and, um, <laughs> I, I feel like I am, I'm embarking on a, a new chapter and that will be reflected in, in episodes of casually baked the podcast. So if you haven't listened or tuned in, I hope you'll uh, check that out wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this one right now. That's um, right. Subscribe and, and check it out. And then if you are curious to learn more about MJ Skin and the products that we'll be rolling out, um, mjskinrelief.com. That's mjskin, R-E-L-I-E-F.com. Um, and yeah, thank you for giving me a platform to share my story and thank you for providing us with amazing cannabis science education. Um, you know, the work that you do is impactful and I'm so excited for young people to be learning about this. So we have completely different dynamics in our next generations and the way yeah. they view, um, plants and and their role personally in the ecosystem and how we can can be stewards for doing things differently doing it right doing it honorably and and um and together you know yeah yes yeah absolutely and um for everyone listening i'll make sure to get the links to um, everything you just mentioned in the show notes um, and we'll also have a link to Casually Baked on the Curious About Cannabis podcast website as well. Um, so, yeah, everyone, um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening through to the end. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm amazed at all of the parallels between our, our paths. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really cool to meet someone else that 
um, you know, is on like a totally different journey, but is just going through such similar um, changes at the same time. It is, it's, yes. it's really cool. So I'm happy to know you and I'm happy to connect you with our listeners. And those of you listening, um, if you want to learn more about Curious About Cannabis, uh, you probably already know how to do that, but go to CACpodcast.com or uh, search for us on, oh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. YouTube is um, really trying to do more video content, so um, you can find the video for this. Um, if you're listening to this, you can go check out the video on YouTube. And with that, everybody, as always, stay curious and take it easy, and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. If you're curious about cannabis like me, then get connected to the Curious About Cannabis ecosystem and let's learn together. Visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to join our learning community on our Discord server and you can participate in regular giveaways, dive into the latest cannabis research, connect with certified Curious About Cannabis educators, hang out in our break room with other curious minds and more. Best of all, it's totally free. Just visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to learn more. Or click connect on the Curious About Cannabis app, which is available on Android and coming soon to iOS.